there is a God who's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he is all-good, and he's completely sovereign. Evil. Let's first think about this, which I think has some utility in some of our discussions. Evil is a description. I'm not about to describe evil. I'm saying evil itself. The word is a description. The word sin is a description. The word iniquity is a description. The word transgression is a description. These are descriptive words. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. You don't say, um, here's evil. Let me show it to you. You're going to show me someone who fits the description of evil. You can't say, here's sin. I've got it in my briefcase, right? You may have some sinful things in your briefcase, but that's not sin. You're describing what is there, and you're trying to talk about it in terms of a moral category or moral definition. It's much like coldness or dark, darkness, cold or darkness, right? Those are the absence of things. Those are things you take, the, the, you know, the colliding molecules of, of what we would measure as heat, you take that out of the equation, you get the cold vacuum of interplanetary space, and you say it's, it's cold. It's cold because something's gone. You say something's dark because something's absent, something's gone. We don't have photons in the equation. So this is not something that God created. I just think we need to start with that. God didn't create it. Like, here, I'm going to create this. I created an apple tree. I created a pomegranate tree. I created Adam and Eve. I, I designed the, the earlobe. Uh, and here, I'm going to make this thing called evil. God didn't create this thing called evil. And at some point in your evangelism, that might be helpful to point out. We're simply describing some things, some behaviors, some words, some actions, uh, and those words are appropriate, and we believe in evil, right? We would say we believe in evil, but evil's not a thing. It's not a tangible, objective thing. It describes simply, and here's a good way to look at it, because you've heard the definition of sin in these terms, hamartia in the New Testament, which is to fall short. It doesn't measure up. It's what, not, it's what should not be, things that aren't the way they ought to be. The ought to be is falling short of that is what we describe as sin. Just like the absence of photons we would describe as darkness. But darkness is not a thing. That doesn't get us out of a jam, but it does help us start to describe, or discuss rather, what we're talking about, which is a description. And of course, it's an accurate description. We're not debating that. Raping a little girl, all Christians would say, that certainly is evil. It is a action that qualifies under the descriptive of evil. Genesis chapter 2 verse 9 sets this up with something so mundane. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Here was this tree that was described as something as giving you a knowledge of what the reality is of evil. Something that falls short of the perfection of what God has commanded. And of course, they hadn't at this point experienced that, so they didn't know that. They didn't experientially know that, and they couldn't even objectively be able to point to something and say, well, this is something in the garden or in my universe that God has created that is evil. Everything to that point is it's repeated constantly. is good, 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 good. And yet, here's something now that becomes the test of you living up, measuring up, or falling short of what is good. In this case, doing what your creator says, doing what the teacher says, the boss says, the one in charge. Genesis 8.21 speaks of the ubiquity of this kind of descriptive, and it's right. It's, we can see this. Hopefully everyone in the room would be honest enough to look at their intentions and say, even from my youth, my heart was filled with evil things, things that did not measure up. I thought things I shouldn't thought. I, I, did, I failed to say things I should have said. I imagined things I shouldn't have imagined. And they fall short of what a human being 
trying to live up to God's expectation, his revealed will and even his unrevealed will. And I say that because there are certain things we know ought to be done, even though we can't point to what scripture says and say that was not done. We fall short of it, things that we shouldn't do. We transgress a line. Those lines are clearly demarked in the Bible. Uh, But even in our own experience, we understand when we've cross those lines. So it's an accurate descriptive. Our world, and and there's nothing wrong with saying it the way that we say it, even though we talk about it grammatically like it's a thing, that there is evil in the world. And what we're saying is there's a lot of things we can rightly describe as falling short of God's standard. There are things that are the way they ought not be. And all Christians are going to affirm that, and we always have. We believe in that, with few exceptions. A few assertions about the creatures, and I mean in this creatures. Every one, you can say that about angelic beings, everyone, everyone who is not God. So you've got two categories. You've got God, the creator, who's in charge, and you have everyone else that was created by him, and those creatures, whether they're angelic, made to be in spiritual reality, but not in physical reality, uh, or human beings that were created spiritual, but they were created to embody an actual physical shell, we're saying all of them are, number one, moral agents. They are choice makers. They make decisions. That is something that God created them to do. Something God created them to do, unlike a rock or a tree that don't make any decisions. They're passive. We are not passive, we're active. We don't let things just happen to us, though we can describe things that way that have happened to us. There are things that we choose to make happen. There are things that we choose to do. So all of God's creatures, both angelic and human, creating these individuals makes them moral agents. They now can choose whether or not to take the fruit on the tree and they can be righteous or they can choose choose to pass on it or they can choose to eat it and if they do, then they become those who are qualifying for the definition of evil. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 One of many passages I could quote to tell you, even though you may be a high Calvinist, I just want to remind you, the Bible speaks in these terms. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Here's two paths, just like in the garden. God did the same. Here's the right thing, here's the wrong thing. Don't eat of it, eat of everything else. Don't eat of that. You got a choice to make now. The blessing and curse is before you. Life and death is before you. Therefore, choose life. And there's a lot of benefits to that, that you and your offspring may may live. It goes on to that verse, talk about other things. But the idea is you've got a choice, you've got a decision. You can't tell a rock to make a decision. You can't tell a tree to make a decision. You make decisions as a moral agent, a choice maker. And that's a unique aspect of humanity, unique aspect of angelic beings. So creatures, angelic and human, are moral agents. Number two, they can make choices that bring suffering. And suffering is usually the touchstone, it's the core of what people would say, well, that's evil. Cause suffering. That little girl's innocence was taken away, as they might say. She's suffered. She's been stolen some aspects of her life, and she's been subjected and humiliated and shamed in that rape. And so we would say the choices of moral creatures, right, can bring suffering. And we don't get out of the fourth chapter of Genesis before we start to see this. Here is the Cain and Abel story, where God comes to Cain and says, listen, I know you're jealous and envious and I know you're getting frustrated at your brother. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Again, there is the idea of Deuteronomy, choose to do the right thing. I've set before you life and death. 
blessing and curse. If you do not do well, well, here's the thing. You keep toying with this envy and, and jealousy in your heart, well, then sin is crouching at the door and its desire is contrary to you, right? But you must rule over it. You've got a choice to make and it's gonna be hard. It's like the temptation of your parents in the garden. Now, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and Abel killed him. So Abel was gonna have, I don't know, who knows what, a picnic with his wife, uh, gonna go for a walk. All of those choices now were impinged upon and maybe it was a painful death and how long did it take for him to die. All the suffering, not just in Abel's life, but in Adam and Eve's life and probably his whole gigantic extended family that was already colonized into different groups and people and cities. You've got, you got a thousand years to do that, by the way. Think about how many people can be born in a thousand years. You've got a lot of people here that were in pain. Pain because Abel was murdered. So those creatures make those choices and God even brings the, the decision point into sharp focus and says, listen, Cain, if you do the right thing right now, right, you would do well. It would go well. It would be well. You'd get life and blessing. But in reality, if you give into this, you keep toying with it, sin wants to dominate you which is personified there, and I'll grant you that, but it's a description of falling short. That falling short, that temptation to do what you want, in this case, to seek some kind of unjustified revenge on your brother is gonna dominate you, and it's gonna have a, 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 a reverberating effect. And Cain decided to do what he wanted to do. You can say what pain was it for Adam and Eve to pick the fruit off the tree and eat it, well, in this case, we know moral decisions sometimes and so often bring suffering in other people's lives. Just like the guy in Riverside, I'm just using Riverside, I'm sorry, Riverside. Um, the rapist in Riverside makes a choice and chooses in that case to bring in a flood of suffering in the lives of other people. 